Well, you're listening to the Fat Boy Show. As you know, on the Fat Boy Show, we've spent a, a considerable amount of time uh, discussing uh, COVID-19 and its impact on our lives, on economies in countries around the world. How it's essentially shaken up how we live. They like to call it the new normal now, the way we're supposed to operate. Sanitizing, socially distancing, masking up, and of course, the lockdowns. These lockdowns have been applied in varying degrees in many different countries around the world. Some countries have them, others don't. Others have it a little bit, others have it a lot. And so we're all trying to grapple with this uh, new reality that we're living in, and it's very frustrating. Uh, to say the least. But nonetheless, it is a global pandemic and we are all trying our best to cope with it. Now, there are Ugandans who are living in different countries around the world and for them, their experience with COVID and its implications is slightly different from how we might be dealing with it here in Uganda. And so, to shed some light on how people in Turkey are coping with the COVID crisis, we're joined by a Ugandan pharmacist who has studied in Turkey and works in Turkey. Her name is Charlotte Asekenye. She's been in Turkey for the last 10 years. She joins us today on the Fat Boy Show. Hello, Charlotte. How are you? Hello, Fat Boy. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, great to have you okay. with us. Yes, yes. It's it's really nice to finally, you know, call in because <laughs> your show has been one of the highlights of my lockdown. And, you know, I listen every morning and, you know, it's 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 good to know what's going on back home. Wow. So over there in Turkey, you're, you're listening to the Fat Boy Show on RX Radio. <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's... <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, been a while since I last listened to the radio from Uganda. So when you went online, it was like, ah, finally, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Great. And I, and I hope you're quite liking RX Radio. You love uh, Crystal on the Groove. Do you ever listen to her? Uh, I do occasionally, but in the afternoons, I'm usually very busy. So ah. mornings is, is, you know. Tell me, yeah. what, what is the time difference? Uh, what, uh, how far ahead is Turkey in, in the time zones? Uh, we're at the same time. You know, five years ago, I think five or six years ago, mm-hmm. Turkey stopped doing the time saving, you know, the changing of the clock. Yeah. We stopped doing it here. So before that, we used to be one hour in the we used to be one hour behind in the winter and summertime was the same because we're in the same latitude I think mm-hmm. uh, but now it's the same like we don't change our clock so summer winter we're in the same time with, ah. with uh, Uganda so Turkey is like a GMT plus three like Uganda yeah I think I'm not sure but yeah it's the same time <laughs> okay that's good that's <laughs> also, we're speaking we're speaking to each other at the same time this is good at the same time zone that's awesome yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, you went to Turkey 10 years ago to study pharmacy, ph- pharmaceutical science? Uh, well, I initially wanted to do medicine, mm-hmm. but then I got here and uh, I did one year of language school. And uh, during language school, I kind of came to my senses that I really wasn't meant to be a doctor. <laughs> I wouldn't manage the doctor life, so I, I went for pharmacy because I could still feel like a doctor and not be a doctor, you know? Yeah. 
I know. I think uh, <laughs> have 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 my bread and eat it. So my cake and eat it. So so what happened yeah. during one of your classes? They brought in a cadaver, and you're like, okay, that's it. Actually, I, I didn't. I didn't go to like school, you know, because when you get to Turkey, like uh-huh. I came on a scholarship first of all, which is currently open. So anyone who wants to apply should look it up. Uh, I mean, uh, undergraduate, masters, doctorate. Oh, it's, it's one of the best scholarships in oh. the world, I believe, because it's full funded. You know. Did you apply through like the Turkish embassy or something? At that time, uh, it was run by Ministry of Education. Okay. And uh, I loved reading newspapers a lot. So I came across the advert in the newspapers and then I told my mom about it. And then my mom knew some people in the Ministry of Education. So they told me, yes, it's a genuine thing. She could apply. I did apply. I got in. So right now it's run by the Turkish, uh, I think, embassy. Actually, it's run from Turkey, like the, the whatever, the interviews and everything is done directly from here. But then the embassy in, in Uganda takes care of everything else. So I got this scholarship and uh, <laughs> and I came to Turkey. And uh, when you come here, especially for scholarship people, unless you know the language, you're required to learn the language because let's say maybe just 30% of schools have English courses. The rest is Turkish. So, uh, can you tell? And farmers in particular. Do you are you able to speak Turkish now? Of course, it's <laughs> been ten years. So wait, so you can? I, I studied in Turkish. You know, I studied in Turkish. Your so course learned, was in Turkish. I did. Yeah, yeah. I did one year of language school, which of course is not sufficient because I could do the grammar, I could read and write, but I could barely speak. I could barely last a conversation because, as you know, you know, some of us have been in Uganda and we can't speak Luganda, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's I kind know. of the same thing. Wait, so... So I did mm-hmm. that, yeah. And what's your level of uh, speaking ability in Turkish for at this moment? I'm fluent. I'm, I'm fluent. I, I sometimes forget English, you know? Really? So you can, like, have <laughs> an entire... You can go a whole day just speaking Turkish and not even a word in English. All my colleagues are Turkish. I I mean, let's say 98% of my life is Turkish. Yeah? Wow. <laughs> English is just texting and, you know, uh, TV and, you know, Netflix, of course, is I, I watch English. And, you know, so when I, that's why I was happy to get like a radio show, you know, in, in English because... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's so we, one of the guilty pleasures, you know, apart from YouTube. <laughs> so we, uh, so RX Radio is kind of like your link to the English language, your remaining link. <laughs> or, or at least Actually, in some not way. to the English language as such, but <laughs> to Ugandan English language. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ah, wow. Makes sense. Yeah. And so uh, living in Turkey as a Ugandan, uh, has life been... Oh, uh, good. I mean, uh, is there any? Are there any issues? Uh, have they accepted you there? Are you treated well? Is there racism? Well, uh, in the beginning, it was quite difficult because I didn't know the language, and as I said, uh, here is uh, ninety. Okay, let's say you'll only find maybe ten percent who can speak English. So, in the market, no one speaks English. 
you know, general life, you need to learn the language. Like the apartment, let's say from the get man to the security to everybody speaks Turkish. So that was really a hard for me. You know, I could go to the market and I, I didn't know what to say. You know, it's go with a phone and then <laughs> think what we had smartphones in and then Google Translate. And, you know, wow. it's it really hard. But as I learned the language, life became easier. Like right now, uh, on a normal day, people tend to look at foreigners and, you know, you can know when somebody is new in the area. But as time goes on, like you kind of, I may be black, but I've kind of, you know, <laughs> So you're now, you're you're one of them, you know, I'm one of them. You're now one of them. So that life is very easy, I could say. I actually find my life here much easier than my life in Uganda. Wow, that's that's awesome, Uh, which is no wonder why you've uh, lived there for 10 years. Yes, no, life in Uganda is quite difficult. <laughs> oh, tell me about it's it. It's a hassle, you know. Oh, we're <laughs> here nesting. We, we can't access social media. The internet was off for several days. We're suffering, man. Eh. But anyway, um, oh, by the way, Charlotte, would you mind telling us uh, which town or city in Turkey you are living in currently? I live in uh, Istanbul. Oh, Istanbul should be the main city. Yeah, it's the main, the main city, city. It's not the, the capital. CBD. It's not the capital, but it's the main city. No, it's wow. the CBD. Yes, uh, Ankara is the capital. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. Well, uh, this morning on the Fat Boy Show, we're talking to Charlotte Asikenya. She's a pharmacist who studied and works in Turkey. She's been there for the last 10 years. And as you've heard, she's able to speak the Turkish language fluently. And uh, she's over there enjoying uh, RX Radio, in particular the Fat Boy Show, every morning when she has most of her free time. So glad to be able to talk to her. We will be back in just a bit. And uh, when we do return, I'll be asking uh, uh, I'll be asking Charlotte specifically about how life in Turkey is currently uh, under the COVID uh, crisis situation. As you may know, Turkey is one of the countries that hit level four when it comes to infection since the outbreak uh, began uh, early last year. And uh, things have been quite crazy over there. And they've instituted all kinds of restrictive measures. How's the situation looking in Turkey? We'll be asking Charlotte when we get back on The Fat Boy Show. Stick around. The Fat Boy Show. And we're back on The Fat Boy Show. I am Fat Boy. And joining us today, all the way from Turkey... Istanbul in particular, that's the city she lives in. Charlotte Asekenye, a pharmacist who studied uh, in Turkey. She studied pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical science, and she's been working there as a pharmacist. She's lived there for the last 10 years. She joins us today on the Fat Boy Show. Uh, Hello once again, Charlotte. Hello, Fat Boy. Yeah, so earlier you were telling us about uh, your life in Turkey and how it seems to be a lot of fun. Let us now talk about uh, COVID and Turkey. Well, as we were watching the news early last year, we saw that Turkey was one of the places that was hit heavily. And uh, in response, the government took all kinds of steps. So can you can you tell us about what it was like when the first wave hits and what happened at that time? Well, uh, you know, Turkey being very close to Europe, actually we're in Europe partly, Istanbul is half of Europe. Uh, Being in Europe, uh, we expected to get, you know, the first infections, but we didn't have infections till March, which was surprising because, you know, Turkey is just in the middle of all the mess and yet nothing was happening here. 
and in the beginning people thought maybe the government was hiding you know the 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 real facts and but it turned out that that was the fact like the infections here were very low in the beginning or the people that were infected here of course were not uh, what, what what term do we use? The people that not, don't uh, show the sickness. <laughs> they were not symptomatic. Yeah, they were asymptomatic. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, so it uh, and then March is when the numbers began showing up, and uh, here as soon as the numbers began showing up, uh, they imposed a lockdown. The lockdown was uh, we we didn't have like offices were open. You were free to go to work, but uh, the weekend we had a lockdown. Like everything was shut down on the weekend from Friday, uh, 11 p.m. I think no, not 11 p.m. From Friday midnight uh, till Monday 6 a.m. We were locked down. Like you couldn't go down and out on the weekend. All the shops were closed. Uh, you weren't allowed to go walking, exercising. All that was, you know. <coughs> really. Until May. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know, our numbers were going up, but the thing is, uh, the Turkish health system is really good. Like, I really criticize Turkey, but the health system here is one of the best, I could say. How is it one of the best? The hospitals are a lot. The hospitals are quite a lot. Like, we have, you know, after most, maybe the, the, the most thing we have here is hospitals. There are a lot of hospitals and, uh, private and government and then of course the health insurance here as long as you work and your employer pays uh, uh, insurance everyone has insurance here okay of course the unemployed there's a small number that doesn't have insurance but generally let's say 90 percent of the population has health insurance so that that's been like a really big factor no matter how sick you are no matter what disease you have the government pays you know the bill so that was very good and uh, people here are very cautious when it comes to health. Like, if you say we have this, stay at home, everyone is obedient because no one wants to die, which is not the case in, you know, other European countries. People don't really care, but here people really care, you know. So what would they so, do to you? What would they do to you if they, for example, found you, uh, you know, infringing on the, or if they found you violating the rules? If they found you out and about during the lockdown, what would they do? So for starters, uh, like the lockdown, there were people that were exempted from this. These are people who work in industries like food and uh, healthcare sector, which is mine as well. So this kind of people had permission from the police, just like the stickers on the cars in Uganda. But there, of course, a few people who break the rules and these people are fined. Uh, for every time you caught out, you're fined uh, 3,000 Turkish Lira, which is about 1.5 million in Uganda. So, yeah, people who are found maybe in cafes, like there are people who open the cafe and at the front it's locked, but in the back, you know, people are hanging out. So this kind of people, like on the news, we see this every time. (laughs) The police breaks in and they fine each person 1.5 million. Wow. And, you know, they are constant breakers of this rule (laughs) who are willing to pay 1.5 M every week, you know? Wow. That's how much people love their freedom. And so... Uh, you speak of a wonderful health system, but to date, Turkey has uh, recorded uh, an estimated 25,000 COVID deaths. Um, what would be the cause of such a high death toll, do you think? 25,000? No, I think it's not that high. But even if it's that, compared to other countries, when you look at 
UK, when you look at USA, when you look at the countries in which our cases are the same, because we have quite a number of cases here, but the deaths are low compared to the cases. Okay. So when you compare this, because we're losing, let's say, 150 people per day, UK is losing 600 per day. When you compare these two, like for us here, the people that are dying are usually old people, you know? Old or with underlying, like it's not, it's not as bad as Italy, it's not as bad as UK, but the infections are the same. And considering our population is 70 million people, you'd expect so much worse, you know? Like so, so much worse. Our population. And the hospitals. <laughs> I like how you said that. <laughs> I guess you're now, you're now one of them. <laughs> yeah, I've accepted. Turkey is your I've, country. I'm not in denial anymore. I'm not in denial anymore. Are you, are you a citizen by any yeah. chance by now? I am in the process. I should be maybe in the next two, three months. Ah, okay. And if you succeed, does that mean you renounce your Ugandan one or you can keep both? No, I'll, I'll keep your citizenship. Ah. I don't want to pay for a Ugandan visa. Ah. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Now, um, you, you, know, uh, you were just mentioning about uh, you were comparing sort of the deaths to the cases, right? And this is uh, an issue of contention for me always is that any time either the media or government officials are trying to justify, um, for example, restrictive measures and they cite the deaths, you know, people like me always inquire, but then when you compare the deaths versus the uh, confirmed cases, what you end up having is a rather low case fatality rate, meaning out of those who get infected, a uh, smaller, smaller proportion of people die, right? And I feel yes. like because we focus on actual numbers rather than sort of case fatality rate, it then prompts governments to take what I would consider to be extreme and rather draconian steps and ultimately, in my opinion, futile steps as a way to curb this thing uh, because it's not the kind of thing that you can eradicate at best. And in my opinion, the, and in the opinion of many doctors I've been hearing on YouTube whose channels haven't been struck down yet, you know, they will say things like um, cater for the old and the vulnerable, but yet the young and the healthy continue to thrive and operate and work. Um, because that way you can keep the country going, keep the economy going while protecting the most vulnerable. But if you lock down the entire society, including those that are healthy and those that are at low risk of dying from it, it doesn't seem to be very practical. And so there's been much discussion about just how effective these steps are or how much sense they make. But once you dangle the carrot of fear in the faces of people, that usually seems to be enough to get them to condone all kinds of draconian measures that a government government might propose. So what do you think about that? Do you think that the approach that's being taken, I mean, like total lockdowns and all this stuff, that do you think it's exaggerated or do you think that's exactly what we should be doing and you want to see more of it? Well, uh, for us here in Turkey, after May, you know, May is summertime, Summertime, uh, when the sun was up and all that stuff, people like the death, the cases began to fall drastically. So the lockdowns were totally scrapped. Like life went back to normal. We were able to go for holidays. You know, life kind of normalized for a bit, for about four months. And then in October, the cases began to rise again. But unlike 
the first lockdown this time we have a lockdown right now we're in lockdown since october but it's just on the weekends and on the weekends this is what happens we have lockdown from i mean you know from 10 a.m to 5 p.m the shops are open you can go out but you cannot like to walking distance you can't use a car so but those who have to go to work on Saturday, the workplaces are still open, like the artists, the, you know, but just you can go to the shop, you can pick what you want, you can take a walk. But ultimately, and this is my thing, I feel like it's one of those things of when you are so petrified with fear, I think people seem to be, they warm up to to to, to uh, ceding control of their lives to the government where when the government tells you jump, you jump because you feel good that others are in control of your life and maybe in some psychological weird way it gives you some level of comfort because when you actually think about for example in Turkey what they are doing that oh, okay, open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and after that it has to be not walking distance and what like ultimately it just seems like... <laughs> an exercise in futility like is that really going to if the virus is to spread would such measures do anything to slow it down i don't think so i i think you need to understand your society that that is the most important thing because here our society is very like people love visiting so by telling people that you can't go to a place that is not a walking distance which would be like going to visit family or friends you kind of reduce that you know interaction and then of course the restaurants are closed you can take take away and all that stuff ordering like right now internet is you know everything is being bought of the internet food and you know but you know reducing the contact especially family because when they did like the community survey they noticed that most of the people are getting who are getting sick were actually from uh interaction with their relatives it wasn't between friends mostly you know here they've tried like from the beginning we had a tracking system everyone has a number and if you've been in contact with somebody they flag down your number so your phone you have like an application on your phone once you leave your house the authorities are alarmed of you know so they come and pick you up and take you to a hostel <laughs> for isolation so and this uh, you need to understand your community is this app uh, do you install it voluntarily or is it mandatory it's uh once you've been in contact like uh, for example i took a flight in uh, in october to ankara and then back and then my neighbor on the flight tested positive so two days later they, they called me from you know the hospital and they told me yes your neighbor has been has fallen sick so for for precaution you need to install this application you're going to be in isolation for 14 days don't leave your house so i installed the application and uh, because of that like i stayed in isolation for 14 days and i didn't go out because if i went out i'd be in trouble or the other option is maybe leave your phone and then go out and you know we depend on our phones these days so we depend exactly. on our now, phones now thank so. you so yeah. in, so that form of uh, you know technological contact tracing so all it would take is for you to leave your phone and to be out and about with another phone or no phone at all and uh, the, the health officials will assume you're being a good girl and staying indoors no, and this has happened. People have been called out. And in such cases, if you, ha you know, it, it so happens that usually when people break the quarantine and go out, somehow they get caught up somewhere. And then and then you have to pay a fine. That is 1.5 million. <laughs> yeah. I just think, I'm sorry. I just think, honestly, I, I just think 
time will come in future when we'll, we will look back on this era and just say, wow, the power of hysteria. Because ultimately, I just it think, I just feel like all these extreme steps are exercises <laughs> in futility. I saw a study, a report about how in New York, I, I think about 80% of those that uh, had been confirmed uh, to to confirmed to be um, to be having COVID-19 80% of them had actually been mostly staying indoors and wearing masks you see so I feel like it's not practical to imagine you can suppress this thing at best throw everything you've got at the health sector to make sure the hospitals have the beds the, the medicines the respirators if needed Although that's another story I hear. There's issues with those things. Um, but whatever other yeah. facilities are necessary to treat those who who not just get exposed, but who also then fall sick, right? Because I feel like that's, yeah. that's a better use of a country's time and its resources rather than to say, okay, shut everything down, go out from 10 by not after 5 p.m. and not walking distance. I mean, geez. Uh, it's, it's so extreme. <laughs> what happened to rights and liberty? But but it's proved it, it's proved to be effective at some point because let's say in October our hospital capacity was eighty percent, our ICU capacity, but now we're at fifty six percent and it's going down every day, which shows that there's probably you know it, it's actually working and of course there's medicine you know you get sick you take the medicine and now we've started the vaccination hopefully it works i did my vaccine on monday my first dose i i hope you know <laughs> yeah we got the vaccine from china because you know waiting in line for pfizer and all that it's it's you know whatever comes just take it <laughs> Just listen so to wait, wait, wait. Excuse me. Well. Just, just listen to yourself. Whatever comes, just take it. I mean, these are. This is the most. It's the most dystopian thing I've ever heard. This is the kind of stuff George Orwell would write novels about, where the masses have just become like like sheep, where you just anything, give me, I'll take it. Like, hey, how about some questions? Because I heard that the, the so, we don't have we don't have the questions right now. The Moderna because with one year it's been one year, you know, one year in this isolation. So I, I think everyone has reached a breaking point. Like in the beginning, I was you know cooking and and baking and you know buying plants and you know the first quarantine. And now I don't care. I'm just you know. <laughs> On Friday, it's like, okay, this is the best day of the week. Sleep for two days, wake up on Monday, work, wow. and then, you know, because everybody is tired. Like, people are tired. People just want this to come to an end. But it and, won't. Uh, See, the problem is... Of, yeah, go ahead. I, I think I think it's... It, it's it's There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'll tell I, you, I like there isn't, that. actually. You listen, <laughs> because now they're telling us... They're telling us that uh, the Moderna uh, vaccine, for example, is one of the vaccines produced uh, for this thing, that apparently it's not showing complete effectiveness against uh, certain strains of the virus that are found in South Africa, right? Africa and the so, UK one. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, and should we be surprised? I mean, this this this, vir- this vaccine was rushed uh, to have a, a workable, viable, effective vaccine 
produced uh, with and tested within just a few months just seems so <laughs> insane like it never in history has a vaccine no. ever rolled been rolled out that quickly so what, what would you expect when it comes to mm, potential issues down the road that's number one number two if it is true that there are other strains so what happens next if you attain um, immunity through the vaccine to the particular strain of coronavirus that this vaccine will protect you against what happens when in 2021 we see a surge uh, in infections uh, of the new strain what does that mean back to lockdowns back to new vaccine research for the new strain i mean when it comes to the common cold or rather the seasonal flu it too has several strains right for which new vaccines must be developed uh, every year every year a new flu vaccine the seasonal flu worldwide kills around 600,000 people now i don't recall ever in the past where that death toll ever justified a total lockdown of countries and communities instead what would happen is you know we would uh, countries would do what they could to alert their citizens about the availability of the vaccine for the latest strains and they would advise on the most vulnerable on what steps they could take to protect themselves and to boost their immunity but the world kept moving and uh, shops stayed open and schools and businesses but with COVID-19 it's like something just kind of flipped where everyone just went crazy in terms of how we want to deal with these sorts of situations because if now we have a new strain that comes up if it now uh, the South African strain, for example, let, let's say it now spreads all over the place. Okay, what then? Uh, what do we do? Is it back to more lockdowns? And then we, when we deal with that, a year later, a new strain, more lockdown. Where where does it end, Charlotte? I think you're very, very pessimistic. And right now, this is this is the last thing you should be. Because already life sucks, you know? Life I'm being realistic. So. They told us in, in <laughs> no, 20, they told us in 2020 that the lockdowns <laughs> were supposed to be short term. That is what everyone hoped, and that is. So if I at the time had said, "Hey guys, it's gonna last for longer," well, you would have called me a pessimist in April, wouldn't you? <laughs> and, and, and you're and still yet, a pessimist. And yet, and yet here we are uh, with more lockdowns. Now in Uganda, they haven't yet. But, but you need to know. Yeah. yeah. You need to know that, you know, our genetic composition also plays a big role in this. You know, some people have been affected so badly by this. You look at countries like, because this is a new disease, just like any disease. The problem is this one is very fast spreading. Because just like you, you talked about the flu. The flu, fine. Like in the beginning, like flu, sometimes you reach a flu season, everyone around you is sick, you don't get sick. And then a time comes when you get sick and nobody gets sick like but the problem with this is it's been very fast spreading and i think the thing is yeah the but effects that- it has on people like when you see how people die like you know remember the first videos from wuhan people just collapsing on the street yeah and, but you see now you that's know? that's so i would say to that i would say this actually there is a war on two fronts being fought one is the war against the virus and the other one is an information war okay where we are just swallowing all kinds of information without being willing to first digest it and to research it and form more accurate opinions. Now, when you mentioned the videos of, you know, Wuhan, you know, people falling down from the street. Now, when it comes to, for example, if you want to look at the impact of COVID, let's say, and who in particular it, it, uh, it, it claims the lives of, look, you could be um, an elderly person with other issues that are affecting you, okay? 
And then uh, you get infected with COVID and it could be that COVID is the final nail and it takes you out. Right. Now, it could be that you could be, uh, you could die of several many other things. And then now because of the COVID hysteria, uh, it is usually required that uh, every death, every fatality, someone has to be tested for COVID. And then I could have died of a stroke, of, of, of a heart attack. And then when they check my, they do a postmortem and they find COVID in my system, even if I was asymptomatic, they would declare me a COVID death. Do you see the problem? And, and so this was ne- this was never done before with, say, the seasonal flu, where probably countless people died while having the flu, but did die of the flu. If we were treating those statistics in the same way, probably for seasonal flu, we'd have a death toll maybe comparable to what we have for COVID today. That's why I'm saying is that there needs to be so much more effort spent in trying to assess this information, to parse through it, to know exactly what's going on. And it seems to be there are too many vested parties uh, in whose interest it is to just paint the most dire picture possible. Do you agree? No, no, I don't. <laughs> well, that's 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 my stance on the on the issue. But you you told us uh, you took no. the vaccine, so uh, I think we'll take a short break now, play some music, and when we get back, I'll be asking you uh, about how the vaccine rollout is going on in Turkey. I understand it started about uh, two weeks ago. So uh, we'll be getting into that with our special guest today on the Fat Boy Show, Miss Charlotte Asekenye. I said Miss. Are you Miss? <laughs> Yes, I'm Miss. Asakenya is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Miss, not a Mrs. No. Okay, we need to also no. take care of that problem. That's another crisis to deal with. <laughs> 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 That's all coming up next on the Fatboy Show. Stay tuned. And we're back with uh, Charlotte Asakenya right here on the Fatboy Show. She calls us all the way from Turkey, where she has been living for the last 10 years. She's in the city of Istanbul working as a pharmacist. And so far, she's been telling us about her life there in Turkey, in Istanbul, how Turkey has been dealing with the COVID crisis. And she also told us that she received her vaccination. She definitely, I think, would be among the first Ugandans to receive a COVID vaccine. We don't yet have one here yet. Uh, And yet, uh, there in Turkey... Uh, where Charlotte is, she has already received her first dose. So, the dose, the vaccine you received, Charlotte, did you say it was the one from China? <coughs> yes. Uh, in Turkey right now, they're rolling out the Sinovac vaccine from China. Is that the same one where in yes. Brazil it found that it had a 50% efficacy in the clinical yes, trials? it's the same one. In Turkey, it had a 96% efficacy, uh, but in Brazil, it was 50%. And so you are still keen on taking it. <laughs> no, I think, you know, the thing is, as I said, genetic composition really matters here because uh, you've seen like it, it's everyone, you know, just like the beginning, you know, it didn't it go to Africa and then very few people were showing the symptoms and, you know, your genetic composition is very important. And I took this vaccine personally because, first of all, I am not a conspiracy theorist. You mean you're not, <laughs> that, that you're, not, that, that's, you're not a thinker? I'm, I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I'm not a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. theorists always end up being proven true. And that's, that's what's funny about this. <laughs> you call us crazy today, but in a year's time, we're the heroes. <laughs> 
but go ahead. Life or life already. Life already is hard. Like I don't need to complicate it. All right. So whatever you read in the media, you're like, yes, feed me more gospel. I'll take it. Okay, you're that kind of person, not a conspiracy <laughs> no, okay, so, theorist. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so you. So the vaccine rollout started last week in Turkey. Last Was week. It last week, yeah. Last week in Turkey, and uh, first, first we have uh, these uh, whatever. They are groupings. The first people to take it are the health workers, anyone working in a hospital, pharmacy. You know, pharmacists and all the technicians, we have priority because we lost quite a lot of health workers this time, like during, because of Corona, especially pharmacists, we lost quite a lot of our colleagues. So we are the, the priority group. And then in that group, we have the people above 65 years old. Those are also in line right now. And then after that, we are going to go to, I think, police police and 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 then soldiers and you know and then we have the politicians up there as well and then we have teachers and then after that we shall have the general population anyone who is willing to do it oh so it's uh, um optional it's voluntary so i saying uh, i'm in istanbul so i could be one of the asymptomatic people maybe i got sick and you know i just passed through it very easily but since I haven't taken a PCR test, which I really don't want to do because of the poking of your nose, I, I don't know my status. But uh, I, I, I don't want to take the risk as well because I've seen people, like from my experience, my workmates, all my workmates got sick. I was the only one who didn't get sick. All of them got sick. Some had really bad symptoms. Some were okay. And thankfully, none of us, none of them died. But one of our workmates lost a mom. So that for me was a real eye opener. And, you know, <clears throat> so while I have the opportunity, I, I need to, you know, make good use of it because there are people that really want this. I have, like, I, I work in the pharmaceutical, I work in that warehouse and we export medicine. I have some customers in Uganda as well and, you know, all over the world. I have people that are reaching out that just want to buy COVID medicine. They want to buy, you know, we have uh, Actemra. Actemra is the medicine that is used uh, in ICUs for people who are critical, you know. But Actemra is, it's really hard to get. It's a black market drug here because it's not for export anymore. I've had people like begging me, you know, please find this medicine for me. But I can't, I don't even have access to this as well because it's it's imported from Switzerland and straight away it's sent to the ICU. It doesn't even go to our pharmacies anymore. So after seeing this kind of things, people just want a vaccine. You know, someone is willing to pay whatever it takes just for you to get them, you know. <laughs> so you consider so, it to be your, your moral duty to get the vaccine, to just ease the burden on... On, on society who has to deal with uh, COVID cases. Yes, and in, in case, because, you know, people, my, like, I don't work in a pharmacy, so I kind of have, I'm protected, you know, but my colleagues, you know, people are suffering, people are, it, it's our, it's our moral duty to do it for everyone else. And in case anything goes wrong, we are the first, so <laughs> we are the sacrificial lambs. <laughs> yeah, and well, I'm, I'm, uh, 
I, I hope uh, you can let us know down the road how you're feeling. You said you took a first dose. How many doses are you supposed to take of this Sinovac? Uh, there, there are two doses. Two doses. All the vaccines, I think they're giving two doses. So the first one I did on Monday. I'll have the second one at the end of February. But, you know, the thing is, these vaccines, like the, the manufacturing process is different. So you actually, you, you can take more than one vaccine. So I've taken this the first uh, i think uh, what uh, which one i think pfizer is coming in april in turkey that that's when we did the whatever that's when we placed an order so when that comes as well i could i have a chance to take it like Wait if i want second. to take it i can, can ask- take that as well <laughs> can i ask you a, uh, i don't know if there's a word for people like this but who um like it, when it comes to what's what's the what's you know, like how you have a glutton for food. What do you call the glutton for medicine? <laughs> Hypochondriacs. Hypochondri- <laughs> no, have not, not have you seen the medicine, yeah. but people who love hospitals, like people who are afraid of getting sick. No, there's this clip. I'm one of those. <laughs> right. There's this clip I've seen, a cartoon clip of uh, Tom and Jerry, where the cat, Tom, mm-hmm. after Jerry fools him into thinking he's caught some disease because he painted some spots on his face, <laughs> he opens his bathroom cabinet and just stuffs all the pills he finds there in his in his mouth because he's, he's terrified of falling sick. Have you seen that clip before? It's a funny <laughs> no, clip. No, I haven't. Well, I feel like you're telling us you've taken the Sinovac, you've taken one dose, you're set to take another, and now you're like, okay, the Pfizer one is coming and I'll take that too. I mean... No, the, the, no, I'm not saying that I'll take that too, but I have a chance to take that too because one thing, as, as you've seen, like in Brazil, it was only 50% effective. Some like some people didn't gain any resistance from this vaccine, so I could have taken this because I want to do a PCR test at the end of all this in maybe March. I want to check and see if it's really been effective to see if I have the antibodies. But you know, it's it's not effective anybody in in everybody. So that's something you need to note. Like a lot of as you're complaining about yeah the vaccine being made very fast and stuff, but yeah it's it's been made very fast. But I'm sure the people that are spending maybe in a week they're not they're just sleeping for five hours just so they can get this vaccine out there because it's not child's play. You know, it's not something you just come and say hey I'm going to launch a vaccine. Like who who does this? You know, it it's it's an insult to science. It, it's. <laughs> It's actually comedy. It's not even an insult. It's one of those things that you look at and wow, my God, wow, that you're throwing. What the hell is this? Excuse me, you're throwing serious shade. Where, where's and you are calling me the pessimist? Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> no, actually, this, this this is just it's funny. I, I read this in the morning, and I said maybe I'm, I'm reading one, you know, and I looked at it again, and I saw who it came from, and I said, nah, no wonder. Like this, this is comedy. It's comedy central, so let's not even go into that because <laughs> the last time somebody said they they had a COVID, I think something they had a concussion. It turned out I think it was a witch doctor or some I don't know something of that sort. Wow, such little faith you have in the Uganda's <laughs> medical potential. Very sad. Like for starters, we've had AIDS in Uganda for how many years? Like it's been a very very long time like we're one of the countries that has been ravaged by AIDS and if we still haven't been able to manufacture our own 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 AIDS medicine fine we manufacture whatever medicine CIPLA does manufacturing but the formulation is not ours you know that like they're know. just you know technology it's just technology transfer to okay so like we haven't like uh, 
They have the license yeah, to Ugandan produce it. Scientists. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ugandan scientists haven't sat down and, you know, come up with a formula for That's AIDS. because our scientists are in America, UK, Turkey, instead of in Uganda. And, and why is this, sir? Why is this, sir? Because you're selfish. You don't want to build Uganda. <laughs> Come back to Uganda, Charlotte. Come back to Uganda and let's build Uganda together. And let's create the COVID vaccine, which you want to take so many of. You want to take all of them. You might as well come and take the Ugandan one also. Mm, don't you want to? What, 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 what are you going to Made in Uganda. That is to come, <laughs> have a good summer and leave. Because at the end of the day, the government frustrates you. You know, like... How, how a scientist supposed to feel after looking at this kind of news? Like, Ugandan scientists, it's, it's an insult to them, you know? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, wow. we're justified. Okay. I think, uh, <laughs> yep, you've made your feelings on the on the matter. You've made them known. So, uh, no arguments with you there. Well, that's how you feel about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, my, my advice is to any Ugandans who want to be scientists, who you have... You have opportunities for especially the S6 people. You have opportunities. Go out there, study elsewhere, build a future, get vaccinated, and then come home and enjoy life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, on that note, I'd like to say thanks to you. Thank you so much, Charlotte Asekenye, calling all the way from Istanbul, Turkey, where she listens to the Fatboy Show every morning. She's a pharmacist who studied in Turkey and has lived there for 10 years. And uh, we hope to see you in Uganda very soon, Charlotte, by the way. Hmm? Hopefully, when, when all this is passed, because I, I don't take risks, you know. I'm not willing to get on a flight for six hours and, and go home and yeah. get sick or spread the sickness. So when all this ends, because last year I didn't go home, when all this ends, I hope to go home. I want to see my mom. I want to see my sisters. I, you know. Yes, and uh, we have to... Hopefully all this ends very soon. We have to find know? you a husband. Or do you want to, to marry a Turkish man? Who said I have to get married? Oh! When, when you get married, I'll get married. <laughs> wow, that that's convenient for so you, I, isn't I'm, it? I'm following you. When you get married, let me know. So I'll also get a husband. Wow. And uh, as sweet and charming as you are, it probably won't be long before you find one. Thank you so much, Charlotte. As a Kenya, all the way from Istanbul, I hope we can talk again very soon. Thank you, fat boy. All right. Thank you for having me on the show. Bye. Bye.